Will you please rise in body or in spirit for our gospel reading from the 20th chapter of John. Listen for what the spirit is saying to the church today. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails on his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Well, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Thomas is God's gift to the self-aware gospel listener. If there were more Thomases in the world, the world would probably function a whole lot more practically. Thomas was sensible reasoned, not governed by emotion. He didn't believe just what he wanted to believe, but what made the most sense. You need folks like Thomas, who are willing to speak their minds, who have the courage to stand their ground when everyone else in the room is impassioned, ganging up against them because they refuse to go along with what everyone else has worked into a frenzy about. When Thomas thought Jesus was about to risk his life, he was the one who spoke up and said, let us 
also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus was speaking cryptically about returning to his heavenly father's house and bringing his disciples along with him, Thomas didn't just nod and smile. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And when Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection from the dead, Thomas was not with them. Moments after Jesus left, Thomas was led into the locked room after giving probably the secret password. And can you imagine the scene? His ten friends breathlessly recounting over and over what had just happened. Even though they were all there, they couldn't stop describing the play-by-play. One was describing how Matthew had just poured the wine, and I checked the lock for like the thousandth time, and then he's like just standing there. Jesus! Matthew just kept pouring the wine until it was spilling all over the table, and and Jesus says, peace be with you. And I was like completely frozen and can't breathe, and he's just like, look. And he shows his hand and his side. Matthew's cracking up at this point. Yeah, I was pouring and pouring the wine, and it's just spilling all over John because he doesn't even notice because he's totally fixed on Jesus. And poor Peter, he's just started sobbing and fell down. He still hasn't recovered. Peter's sitting at the table just staring at the door. Thomas is taking it all in trying to make sense of this chaos. They keep pulling on him and and, and falling on each other and and pouring more wine. And finally, they are exasperated at Thomas's total non-response. Thomas, we have seen the Lord. I don't believe it. What? What? We... We all, we all saw, what do you mean you don't believe? We, we just, all of us saw him. Look, John's still covered in wine. And look at Peter. Doesn't he look like someone who's seen a ghost? I don't believe it. They go mad. It's infuriating. How can he not believe? They all saw it. Thomas digs in, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe it. How exasperating. How utterly unbelievable that Thomas refuses to believe all that his closest friends had seen Jesus alive. Again, after being dead and buried for three days. While we may find ourselves a bit judgy of Thomas after all our Easter proclamations, is Thomas's reaction really that wrong? He and his friends had recently been traumatized by the violent death of their Savior. They are lost in utter grief and despair. They are terrified, holed up together, devastated, exhausted. And I don't know why Thomas stepped out to get some air, restock on supplies, something responsible and Thomas-like. Is it any more unlikely that he came back to discover his friends had collectively cracked than it was that they saw their rabbi back from the dead? 
what's more unbelievable, really? People can become convinced of some wild stuff when they are afraid and exhausted, traumatized. In the Massachusetts colony, Salem, the witch trials in the late 17th century, 14 women, five men, were found guilty of being witches and executed. Witches! Throughout modern history, there are reoccurring anti-Semitic conspiracies suggesting absurd plots for world domination, and they have had devastating consequences like the Holocaust in Europe in the middle of the 20th century and in America, the refusal to accept Jewish refugees, sending them back to Europe to be slaughtered by the Nazis. Now, I wrote that part on Wednesday. And the absurd filth that filled the mind of a 19-year-old who shot up the Chabad synagogue near San Diego yesterday. His manifesto is filled with anti-Semitic and white nationalist conspiracy theories. On the Sunday evening of, so of, of October 30th, 1938, there was a national radio broadcast of the fictional drama War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Over the radio unfolded the story of a Martian invasion of New York City. Many Americans tuned into the broadcast late and thought they were hearing news of an actual Martian invasion. It caused mass hysteria. Bipartisan reports have shown in recent years how easy it is for malicious forces to influence Americans via social media, turning them against each other, making it impossible for some of them to tell truth from lies. It's likely the influence can and has affected the outcome of elections. Where would we be without the few voices bold enough to call into question the potentially murderous hysteria of the masses? Where would we be without those willing to speak up for what is right, even if it pitted them against their friends like Thomas? Fearful people can come to believe wild things, sometimes very dangerous things. And sometimes they can just come to believe what they really want to believe. It's fortunate that in the gaggle of disciples Jesus called to follow him, there was at least one person who used his own judgment even when everyone else believed something more interesting or what he also really wanted to believe. I can just imagine that when the disciples were all on that boat together and Jesus came walking across the water and Peter thought he also could walk on water and so took off all of his clothes and then promptly fell into the sea. Thomas was in the back shaking his head. We need Thomas in this story, don't we? If it weren't for Thomas, we, rational, independently thinking, modern folks, might forget that when we say in one voice, he is risen, that the most sensible reaction is Thomas's. I'll believe it when I see it. Thomas is important because he's the gospel's way of acknowledging that the most natural response to the testimony of Jesus' resurrection is doubt. 
No matter how many people tell you what they saw, how they pressure you to believe what they believe, no matter how much you may want it to be true, Thomas shows how extraordinary the central claim of Christianity is. And it's true. What kind of story would it be if everyone who heard just immediately believed that Jesus had risen? It would be a fairy tale. But this story takes place in the real world, where though history tells us people can come to believe almost anything if they are primed to believe it, there are enough Thomases out there to keep us grounded. John says that he included this story just for us so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And through believing, you may have life in his name. And here we are, over 2,000 years later, telling the same story. Because when one so spiritually gifted with autonomy and independent thought, who has the bravery to believe the unpopular, less desirable thing, the guy who keeps his head on when everyone else is lost in joy, when Thomas comes to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, then we know that our faith, our hope, our extraordinary claim of eternal life through Christ, in Christ, with Christ, is not in vain. It really is the source of new life. Thomas is there for us. Literally, Thomas is in the story because he faced what we all face, the opportunity to have faith in the promise of the resurrection without having seen Jesus in the flesh. Thomas speaks up for all of us who want to see and touch before we believe. Jesus comes back around so that Thomas can be our surrogate. He takes our doubt and vouches to us for the truth. In a way, he turns around and speaks to all of us and says, y'all, I know what you're thinking. I couldn't believe it either, but it checks out. He's risen indeed. The first words Thomas heard from Jesus were, peace be with you. The minds that desire to make everything fit, to have it all make sense, only trust what can be seen and proven, are also invited to rest in the peace of faith and what can be true while lost in the awe of the mystery. Even Thomas's reason was overcome by awe and wonder. So much of God is beyond us, unknowable, gloriously mysterious, full of beauty and wonder, good. Because Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed. Fear not. We are not abandoned to our reason or left only with our will to believe. God does not leave us in disbelief. God came to Thomas and in so doing enabled his faith. 
God comes to us and so enables ours. It's okay to give our heart over in faith to the mystery of God. It's okay because in this case, not only is it true, it's good. It's always good. It will only bring life. Peace be with you. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Do not doubt. Believe. My Lord and my God. Amen.